Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Superb. How long do you want this to go for? An hour, right? Great. But like it doesn't need to. It goes for as long as it like, you know, kind of until it peters out. This could be the introduction. <laughs> How long does it go for or until yeah. until it, it's not it, it, we don't have a set time. It's more like a test match this podcast yeah. in that it goes for as long as it needs to go for. But ho- yeah, yeah. hello and welcome to Two Guys One Cup. Um oh no, Two Guys One Urn. It, it can't be. It's not really that. Two Guys One Cup I think because it was the ICC one day cricket cup that they were playing for. This feels like Two Guys One Cup cricket edition. Welcome, uh, Adam Spencer. Yeah, at the same time, the controversy was around mm. Mitch Marsh putting his feet on the trophy, yeah. wasn't it? That wasn't a cup that Big Mitch was leaning back after. Did you see that photo on the heat that attracted Yeah. I mean, it is – you're right. It feels more like something – like a ceremonial trophy. But they call it the World Cup. They don't call they do. it the World Trophy. They don't mm. say we're competing in the final of the World Trophy. So How about I think- two guys, one World Cup? Oh, yeah, I mean, how about that? If I'd put more than this amount of thought into it, I might have landed in that <laughs> position myself, two guys. One World Cup, uh, one edition also of this, a week later than the whole thing that went for, I think, six or seven months yes. has finally wrapped up. And uh, one week after that, we've decided to get together and have a little reflection on both the World Cup final, Australia, victorious, World Cup one-day champions and also World Test champions, mm. like a defining era of Australian cricket, really. Like, And uh, I just thought we probably had to have a chat about Australia winning the one-day World Cup final, Adam Spencer, because it just feels like for those who did not, my initial observation is that I watched a lot of this and I don't think many other people watched a lot of this. It was on at an inconvenient time for Australians. The Australians started badly. There'd, there'd been a lot of cricket for Australians to consume and we did not seem to think that we were a chance and therefore our level of interest in this was pretty low. And we got off to a very rocky start and I think a lot of people just went, oh, that's not for me. I don't need to be watching this. But if you were watching it, as I was during the tournament, not just the Australians but the other teams, there was something about it that just kept saying to me, you should be paying attention to this because I feel like something amazing is happening with Australian cricket in this World Cup in India. This feels like something, you know, for a team that started the year like all over the place in India, you know, at the start of the year. It felt like the idea of going to India and having to play India in the World Cup final, the unbeaten India at home in this tournament that, the you know, the BCCI had arranged for India to finally be coronated on the biggest of all stages, right? You know, build a new stadium, got the president there, the whole the whole thing, you know, doctor the pitch, do whatever you need to do to make this happen for India, and then for this anyway. It's uh, look, I, I mean, I, 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 
how much of it did you watch? I know you watched the final. Maybe we should just start with the final and work backwards. I don't know even where to start, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I early on, I must admit, uh, I, I became, a, for a little while there, I was a bit of a fair weather fan after uh, mm. two losses and uh, with Sri Lanka at none for 120 after 20 overs mm. in the first of our absolute must-win desperation, effectively knockout finals matches. It's it's a good thing that the squad uh, showed a little bit more faith in themselves and the process than I did at that stage because that got a little bit ropey. And but it was fascinating, wasn't it? Because- but also, I you're not alone in that because a lot of the celebration has been them going, "You wrote us off. We told you so." And I know that some people push back against that and go, oh, they're so ungracious. And I'm like, shut up. You all wrote them off. And (laughs) they were the only ones who believed in themselves. Yep, yep. I did something with an event with John Eels the other day. It was a panel of discussion. uh, Four elite athletes, a couple of ex-Matildas players, and a gentleman who had coached the All Blacks and John Eels, Australia's rugby union uh, World Cup winning captain. And Eels, he won two World Cups. And I asked John a question. I said, look, I don't want to embarrass you, John, but you are – in your position, possibly the greatest player in the history of the game. You're in the absolute elite superclass, but there's a lot of teams that have one-off greatest players in the world. They don't win a World Cup. How do you do it? And John's philosophy is about three types of faith. You've got to have faith in yourself. You've got to have faith in your teammates, and you've got to have faith in the process. And the faith in yourself doesn't have to be, I genuinely believe I'm the best in the world or anything. It's just got to be, I think I've done everything I can to be in the best possible position. Faith in the teammates is obvious, and faith in the process is that thing that when you're under stress, you don't panic and just go about it completely different. And I don't think you could see a better example of that three types of faith message than the Aussies sticking with pretty much the same team, backing Travis Head in even though he'd broken his hand, and just not panicking. When if they're... No one could have excused us if we'd freaked out a little bit halfway through that Sharankin game and, and just gone the wrong way. The strength of will I remember. Focus. At, oh. I remember in that Sri Lankan game, I literally – I hadn't given up all faith at that point, but I literally remember Googling how many of these can we afford to lose to still make the finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was when – yeah, as, as a mathematician, that was when I was going to start getting phone calls from people going, we're still a chance, yeah. aren't we? And, and then just to turn it around the way they did. And then on that golden run in where you get, you know, just as little cherries on top of the cake, oh, Glenn Maxwell hits the fastest one-day 100 in the history of the game. Uh, then Glenn Maxwell goes, no, I might just play the greatest innings in possibly any form of cricket ever to get us over the line. And, and they're just nice little, you know, cherries on the top on the way to a semifinal and finals performance. Which, and the thing that I came out of this whole tournament with, Will, is that for a long time I've my, – my hierarchy for cricket has been test cricket and then a really long distance to 50 over and T20, to which I share a, a collective indifference that m- maybe I rate 50 over cricket just above T20, but I, I can't care enough to – but I've got a new really – clear second favourite format of cricket, which is 50 over cricket when the pitch is doing a bit. When it's not just a six hitting, you know, 
they got 390 and we fell just you know, you'd, you'd think 370 chasing 390 would be incredibly exciting and in some ways it is but there's just a there's a blandness about that that semi and that I, final I, I, what I love doing is a bit, oh. it's but also I love that in this tournament, for those who didn't pay close attention to it, was you never knew what a winning score was. You had no idea because if you'd made nearly 400, it turns out the other team could probably make nearly 400, whereas if you'd made – you just never knew what a good score was and there were tight games that were won with 200 runs on the board and tight games that were won with like nearly 400. Like, I mean, that Australia-New Zealand match is one of the – like most incredible games of cricket I have ever seen in my entire life, like the setting of it, but also just the fact that Australia scored what I just, like a few years ago in one day cricket, you would have gone, well, okay, well, that's just ridiculous. You're going to win that by 300 runs or something. But like New Zealand just went, I reckon we could probably give that a bit of a shake without doing anything too ridiculous. Yeah, and and, and then in the South African match where it just got to the point where, well, as long as Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark can steer us home for the last 20-odd runs in a few overs, we should be all right. And they just did it. I mean, this is – so this is what I love about this because it's – firstly, it's great to go into something where we're not the bad guys, right? Yep. Like it's good to not be the bad guys again because like yep. – so India in this scenario are the bad guys. They're, oh, they're, yeah. Country that are taking over cricket, the you know the like the B, the what's it called the IPL is now the predominant cricketing force. There's going to be in the future cricketing franchises that are led by these Indian teams where they will contract these players who at the moment proudly represent their countries in this format, but they will be on contracts like the big you know football clubs and stuff all over the world to play in different tournaments and stuff. And we may never see you know exactly what we're seeing now ever again because the franchise model is changing. And it's all because of the Indian crickets. Yeah, this is the biggest World Cup ever, the biggest stadiums, their best team. I mean, I, I know there's been a lot of people going, well, on paper, India are better. And you're like, yeah, I, I could actually see you make that argument. But, like, if it was just assessed on paper, they there would be no point having the tournament and playing the games. Like, the whole point well, and is we, – we, we know for a fact <laughs> that England are man for man better than Australia, as Joe Root pointed out during yeah. the tournament. So you, you, that's clearly not a criteria that, that works for poor Joe. It doesn't just work like that. You don't just send in the team sheet and they tell you who won. <laughs> like I remember seeing the great Lee Matthews on the way to an AFL grand final one day and I asked him, Lee, who do you think is going to win? And he said, I don't know. That's why we play the game. And I just thought, a sport, that's that was the story of this tournament. We weren't the favourites. India were the favourites. And India deserved to be the favourites. They're – Greatest batsman of this generation, Virat Kohli, averaged 100 during this tournament. Averaged 100 during this tournament. He hit his 50th one-day century going ahead of Sachin Tendulkar, right, in half the innings that it took Tendulkar to do it. Like one of the ultimate greats at home in the best form of his career, scoring 300 more runs than the next best in the tournament. Like, incredible, right? Yep. So their you've captain, got – Their captain, Rohit Sharma, seeing it like an absolute beach ball and just swatting sixes like he's swatting flies at a picnic. He's on fire. Shugman Gill, one of the most yeah. natural hitters in the young hitters in the game. You've got this incredible middle order. Not just the famous Indian spinners – 
but the fact that their fast bowlers are also the equal of any country like that have fast bowlers in the tournament and were doing like the majority of the damage. This was a a tournament made for India's one day coronation. They are Cobra Kai in this situation. Don't and forget Australia, Ishan, don't forget Ishan Kishan. Best oh, yeah. <laughs> name of anyone to play any international sport in a long time. Ishan Kishan was on a mission. <laughs> and he was wishing. Yeah, and now he's gone fishing. Bad luck, Ishan Kishan. Tell your story, Fishing Ishan. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I do want – they, they were – you're right, and – it was it was wonderful to see Australia carrying the hopes of all neutral fans. I do I do wonder if you were a really passionate English cricket fan, I can't imagine how much you must have hated this World Cup. Just the the diabolical form that England showed trying to defend it, and then to have to choose between you know to it, to have to lean towards supporting Australia. Well, in a World Cup. I, I, I mean, I, you've, I think you've got to think of this year, and this year is this is why it's been so brilliant. You've got a real big full picture of all the main characters. You know, if you're looking at cricket as being this and international cricket, because I think this is what a World Cup is about, right? You get to know all the characters, the backstories. It's why I, as a person who's not like a, a world round ball football fan, like loves the World Cup. Because it's basically like, you know, previously on and you just get like all the best players and you get to know like what the characters are and who's got what story and what, you know, what the tournament's about, who's the favourite, who's the emerging person, you know, like all that sort of stuff. You can kind of sum it up very quickly. And this year's been perfect for that because we had the World Test Championship. You had that great thing of it being India against Australia, but in England. So England were all paying attention to it as well. You had then the Ashes coming off the back of it, the Aussies starting so strong, the English finishing quite strong and claiming moral victory. And there was a little bit of, I think, hanging over the Australians after that, oh, did we go too hard too early and now is the end of this year going to be disappointing for this team, Right. The English part of this makes it so much more delicious because even the fact that, like, there was people saying that part of the reason they hadn't performed well because they're reigning champions. For people who don't know the backstory, England were the reigning champions. It was the style of cricket they played in one-day cricket that they took into their test team, which became baseball, in the dictionary baseball, right? Like, basically, they won the one-day World Cup playing one-day cricket and they started playing one-day cricket in test matches and that was it. So... They claimed a victory for that method. But then they went to the next one-day World Cup and came last, like like last, were the worst team in the entire fucking competition. They were terrible and they blamed it on the fact that they got a little tired during the Ashes. You're like, well, guess what? There was another team you were playing in the Ashes and they yeah. won the whole thing. Having played another test match before yeah. the Ashes to warm, we, we played Ashes plus and, 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 and had far more of our test team in our one-day team. Mate, this year, like, I mean, India at the start, like, I mean, it's so rich as an Australian cricket fan because, like, the real stories in Australian cricket now are India and England at the moment, right? Like, they're – and so it's just been so rich in – like, that Australia has found its way through – like, because I think you assess now the whole Indian adventure, right? Like, Australia went to India. They won a test match. 
They didn't win the series, but they won a test match. That's a, that is a, like a good thing for Australia. They won the World Test Championship. They went to India and won the World Cup there. And then you look at the England thing, which is okay. Well, maybe the you know Ashes was a bit of a you know we well we were over there. You can't fuck you come and try to win a game in Australia at some stage, but you know there was some muddiness around it. But then for us to go and do this, what a I mean, this is one of the great Australian cricket teams now. This is, I think this is the coronation of that idea that Pat Cummins' group of Australians that did this, particularly that core group that won the one eight years ago or whenever it was too, like, so the ones who've won two World Cups now, like they're legendary forever Australian cricketers. And that's an interesting thing for me because, and I don't know how much of this is the rosy coloured glasses that you wore in youth, effect I, I can go I can go through this current team and see individuals who I would absolutely think would get a spot in your great Steve War team at its height and go yep and they, they deserve to be part of it this it just doesn't and, and the stats are there and they're incontrovertible possibly <laughs> winning the ashes rather than drawing yes. it but I I don't know how naturally this team just leaps into my mind as the equivalent of Steve Waugh's mob winning 16 tests in a row back in the, you know, that 90s into the 2000s sort of. I don't think they are that team. I think they're the they're a modern cricket team, which is they, they, they get results. They might not be pretty, but they get results. You know, they're kind of, that's how, the, but I think this group, because of what you said at the start of it, that it was, a team performance. That was kind of the thing that hurt India in the final, I think, was their their top order had been going so well that their bottom order hadn't really had yep. much time in the middle sort of getting yes. used to that. Whereas at some stage in this tournament, every single person who was in that Australian team from top to bottom. So like Travis Head wasn't in it for the first half. Best player in the semis, best player in the final, oh. uh, best player in the three to five days after the <laughs> The yeah. World Cup final. I, I loved him being ruled ineligible, not by the physio, not putting his own hand up. But I think it was Mitch Marsh said, quote, I'd be very surprised if he played. I think Mitch Marsh said, look, I've got an RSA and legally I don't think that we can allow him to <laughs> – we have to call him a cab. Oh. I think by law we need to – it's amazing because it's just so old school Australian. Like yeah. the, like even his whole look, the way he plays, oh, yeah. he's just calm demeanour. That catch in the finals, oh. which is one of the all-time great cricket catches, and oh. just when he caught that, you were like, we might be on here. The, the Australian fielding as a whole mm. in that – I mean – your general standard of fielding these days in all levels of cricket, especially your shorter forms of the game, probably saves you 20 runs over a decade ago. I'd put it to you, Australia saved 20 runs over what would be standard best practice, typical short form 2023 fielding. That was just um, David Warner, who's closer to 40 than 30, was mm. running around like, some specialist 13th man who'd only been included in the team because he could field and was never going to get to play another game and was just trying to get himself on TV as much as he could. He was Mitchell Stark was picking up and almost throwing the ball back 
before he'd picked it up. The number of twos he kept to one, et cetera. The catches that were held, Travis Head's catch was just a beauty. But the fielding standard of that team was unbelievable. I read a great little one also on um, uh, one. I'm not, are you on social media, Will? I'm not sure. I'm not, well, you know what, Adam? I am not on social media. Oh, really? Although uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did actually have to go back on social media for the day to allow someone access into my uh, social media world. And I've got to uh, say, whew, uh, <laughs> Hasn't hasn't got any better since I left. <laughs> um, I did see one little bit from where um, uh, Ravi Ashwin was asking yeah. George Bailey. Did you read this about mm-hmm. the pit? I did. Yeah. Why, 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 I don't understand why you guys didn't bat first. And George Bailey made a really astute observation about the difference between red dirt and black dirt clay and the way it does or doesn't. It you know tends to harden and become a little bit better to bat on at night time um and just the idea that you know ravi ashwin uh, representing the the country in the world if there's any country in the world who knows how to doctor a pitch and the way a pitch is going to perform you would have thought it was india he's a frontline spinner for india and we had some intel on the way that pitch was going to play that he did and i found just the attention to detail of this entire squad and a coaching unit who at times in the ashes i wondered if the you know, when we went down a couple of yeah. tactical routes and just didn't seem to change course when things were clearly not working, you know, I wondered whether Andrew McDonald needed to be a little bit more interactive as a coach and things like that. Um, like, it just seems like faultless preparation, save the first couple of games being a bit ropey, to just go and smash and grab the World Cup. Well, it felt like he, he got him ripe at the right time. Didn't you know? he? Like, so keep they, going down that order. You've got the two, you know, Warner. Yeah, okay, so, okay. Travis so, Bang, yeah, Warner. So great Travis Bang, by the way, just for the record, Travis Head is uh, he, he probably needs a statue outside the Adelaide Oval. I think he's probably earned that already. And here's what I suggest. I've got a money-spinning idea okay. for the good people at the Adelaide Oval, get some money back into cricket. Normally those statues – the problem with them is that they're very hard to interact with, in my experience, yep. because like it'll be somebody like Don Bradman playing cricket, or like, yep. someone taking a big mark. You can maybe get in the back of a big mark or something like that. Put a but scarf it's not, on it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but it's no. and sometimes they're up a bit high. I just don't feel like that's Travis Head to me. I say park bench style. You know those like famously there might be a statue of an old famous person sitting at a park bench yep. in like yep. France or something yep. like yep. that, right? Like yep. Travis Head. In that Australian like uniform with the sunglasses on, with the hat on, sitting on the bench doing the little wiggles hand thing. But here's here's the thing: you've got to tap your credit card on the little pay thing on the side. Five bucks, the hands wiggle, and you can just sit there with Travis Head on a bench outside celebrating the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me that. 11.30 at night down Rundle Mall, there's not a group of blokes who are like, fuck it, let's walk across the footbridge and go over and get our photo taken with Travis Head yeah, on the bench. Yeah let's, yeah, let's go and head it. Let's go, yeah. Because <laughs> at the SCG they've got in this in the um, seated area there, Yabba, who used to be the famous, crowd, right. the famous crowd heckler, and it's a, it's a bronze statue of Yabba with his hands up like yeah. that, yelling, you know, he, he was famously Douglas Jardine in the Bodyline series and all that, uh, who was the captain of England during Bodyline and all that, was once, you know, swatting away some flies on a summer's day and Yabby yelled out, 
leave our flies alone, Jardine, which in, in the 1920s was yeah. rapier-like wit. Um, yes, he was our Oscar Wilde. He was. You sh- you uh, or, the, or the original social media troll. Exactly. I'm not sure. <laughs> you should be, there should be something on the back of Yabba where you can type yeah. in on a keyboard the sledge oh, yeah, you'd like, yes. tap the card, and then oh, project it out across the SCG. You get a bit of... That would be so good yeah. uh, for the first eight minutes until yeah. somebody ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll until tell you what's what wrong is now with- known ah! as the incident. <laughs> and that's when the thing you're making this documentary about happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Also, at eleven thirty at night in Rundle Mall, someone could, if you had a Travis head. Statue mm. that moved its hands in a particular direction. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. I haven't thought this fully through. That all we s- might need to. <laughs> we might need to put gloves on the hands late at night <laughs> for that reason. Oh, um, all right, so David Warner, yes. So um, David Warner, at the start of this tournament, um, believes that everybody wrote him off. Now, here's what I need to say to David Warner: I don't think anyone was writing him off. I think that most people still thought that David Warner was a pretty good one-day batsman and David Warner had a pretty good tournament yeah. playing pretty good one-day cricket, I thought. Yeah, I think David Warner is has to do a lot. I, I think the old bull who's been around a while, mm. David Warner's best both as a cricketer, he's just a great counter-puncher and he just needs to – Yeah, I, I, I'm sure as David – I'm sure as a, as a fast bowler is coming into bowl to David Warner, yeah. David Warner in his own mental space has convinced himself – you should have heard some of the shit this guy said about you, mate. This guy hates you. And every every big cut shot, every blasted drive is just David Warner's way of proving to the world the world can go and get effed. And he- well, did you watch The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan yeah, Chicago yeah. Bulls documentary? Yep. Like there were so many scenes in that where it turns out that Michael Jordan had some vendetta against someone that Michael Jordan had just invented in his mind. Or the other thing that he just kept saying, it was be like, and on that day, Adam forgot to shake my hand and I took that personally. <laughs> and like every time it'd be like, and I took that personally. It's yep. like, and I decided I would spend every waking hour yep. destroying that man's life. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sure there's a lot of, I'm yeah. sure outside of the last dance, there's just in, there are a lot of people who just one day, Realise, yeah, for that reason, I had no idea Michael Jordan had hated my soul yeah. for 27 years because I didn't quite laugh at loud, as loud at a joke he cracked in a change room or something as perhaps I should have. Well, David Warner is definitely from the and I took that personally yep. school. And good luck uh, to him. Good luck. But to him. it's, I mean, he was great. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he didn't perform in the finals, but that, like, he did it. He, th- this is what I love about this victory is this is a, this is a team victory, right? Like on the way everyone's had to – and this is what I find magnificent about it. It wasn't the coronation. It was a group of – it was a suicide squad, you know? It was a group- <laughs> Expendables. <laughs> yeah, guys, it felt like they were the Expendables, right? So – David Warner, big tick, and I, I agree with you, his fielding, that was the demonstration of intent in the semis and the and in the final. I honestly thought it was less about the runs that were saved and it was more about, like, 
hey guys, like the Australians are here to play tonight. Yeah. Like it, it felt like that. It sent a message. Yeah. As soon as I saw them all fielding like that, I was like, we might be on here. Steve Smith they, said. They, they, they Steve Smith said on, on yeah on the ground after the final, yeah. um, and he was being interviewed, and they talked about the challenge and how they had to win all these in a row, and then he said, you know, once we got to the semis, and Steve Smith just said, and he wasn't big, and he said. Australia tends to play pretty well in once we get to the semis of these things. Yeah. And we do. And you look back at all the World Cup successes, we go yeah. up a gear when it's game on. Now, we were lucky enough to get eight practice games in advance where it was game on after we dropped the first couple. Yeah. But we went up another gear in that in the semi and the but final. But that's what tournament cricket is. Yeah. To- to- otherwise, you just give the trophy to the team that – like you, every team plays each other once and you give the trophy to the yep. team that has the most points and the best percentage. Yep. Like that's fine if that's how you want to decide it, but that isn't how you want to decide it. It's a tournament. And when when there's a tournament on, the record shows that the Australians love to play tournament cricket. And like the whole idea of tournament cricket is just doing what you need to do to win the tournament at the end of it. And, yeah, so Warner was a huge part of that, no doubt about that, right? So then – for a lot of the games, it was Mitchell Marsh, or if when you know Travis Head wasn't there, obviously he was batting up the order. Had a bit of a like whatever like series, but like had a couple of big important knocks, bowled a couple of important overs when it counted, and had to go home for it, like a you know a personal thing in the middle of it. And I actually think even that was it was part of the narrative yep. of this, right? Yep. That Mitch Marsh kind of went home. This team, this is the team that says, oh, your granddad's dying. Um, I think that's what it was, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, that, um, you know, maybe you need to be home with your family for a few days. Mm. Come back. You know, we're all here for you. This is part of the narrative of what what this team is, right? Yep. This is not the old Australian way. This is the new, hopefully the new Australian way. And, so the fact that they did that and then, you know, his message about I'm going to come back and help you win the World Cup, that started to feel like when he said that, we still had a few games to go. We weren't even guaranteed a spot in yep. the semis at that stage, but you just were like, oh, I reckon they believe that they can win this, the Australians. And also just the just the poetry of he, he goes home, so he'd be at his grandfather's funeral, he'd be standing there with his own dad who's won a World Cup as his dad buries his own father and there would have just been a moment when he said goodbye to his dad and headed off to the airport to go and win again what his dad won so historically so many years. Ah, there is just a beautiful poetry in that. Yeah, and, like, he did his part when it was needed, like, and so... And you get the impression he's a guy, I mean, this squad clearly all, I don't think there's anyone in this squad who hates anyone else, but, gee, they like Mitch Marsh. I mean, he – they like him and he likes them. Yeah. Like, you know, he he's the one who cheers hardest for everybody else's success, you notice, right? Yeah. So, okay, so Mitch Marsh, good tournament, well yeah. done. Now, this is where it gets very interesting, the story of the Australians in this World Cup, because Steve Smith comes in at number four for pretty much most of the games, like in, in the tournament, and has – such a weird World Cup. Like, I don't know how to assess it. How do you feel about Steve Smith's World Cup? Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because you, when, when he's been such a 
he's been the first guy picked in any Australian mm-hmm. team for the bulk of the last six, eight years, maybe decade. And this is a format of the game that's moving at such a rapid pace now. The way he plays it isn't necessarily perfect. I said in advance of, well, no, once, once India had set the target they'd set in the final, I hopped on, because I'm still on social media, Will, and I hopped. I, I, and my, my thought at the time was one of Marnus or Steve needs to drop anchor here and really, you know, how, yeah. and, and you do you do still, whether, whether you need two, but you do still need, maybe you need two in the team so that one of them will manage to do it. A lot of the time Whoa. in these challenging chases, you need someone to get something at only a strike rate of 60 or 70, but just be there around which a few guys can go crazy. And Steve did a little bit of that, but it's... it's yeah, I agree. I don't think he had a bad tournament, no. but I don't think he had a great tournament either. And it's so funny because this is where the story of this team becomes, you know, where you're like, is this a legendary team? It's this weird sort of, like, the idea that all of us thought, you, well, you can only have one, you can have Manus or you can have Steve Smith, to the point where the selectors, and we're going to get to, oh, well, we yeah. might as well talk about Manus yeah. at the same time because it's almost the same conversation, the which was, it was one or the other. Yeah. That was the conversation so much that Manus did not get picked for, like, tours. He was going to captain Australia A. He wasn't going to be part of this campaign at all. The only reason he got there in the end was injury, and he kept doing enough Every game that he played in Manus, like playing this kind of Steve Smith role to the point where you were like, well, I don't know, maybe Manus is a better fieldsman and he pretty much is doing what Steve Smith is doing. And the, like- the Aussies clearly had a policy of you can only choose one outrageously OCD, averaging pretty close to 60 in test cricket, strike rate in the 70s or so in the limited format of the game – Bowls reasonable leg spin, but not as good a leg spin as he thinks he bowls. Very good in the field. Bats best at number four or five. Tight. I mean, they are like carbon copies of each other in so many ways. And And offer like exactly the same thing. And so the prevailing argument right through the tournament was – that eventually yeah. we would be choosing one's between one enough. or the other. One's probably, and they probably enough. <laughs> I reckon they wanted to drop Manus three times during this tournament oh. in which he played every game. Yeah. And <laughs> so Manus, I, Manus, Manus said he, he, he the last 18, he's played 18 yeah. games in a row in yeah. that format of cricket and he is surprised yeah. that he's played any of them. And he said he genuinely only knew he was in, only – was comfortable with the fact that he was in the team when the team list was posted at 10 p.m. the night before the World Cup final. I mean, but of course, because constantly it was the discussion that he wasn't going to be in it and it was circumstance that prevented him from being dropped on several occasions. Heads injury, Maxwell injury, this, that, concussions, golf carts. In the end, he's like not only played every game of the campaign and he's like, you know, a World Cup winner, but also he contributed exactly the thing that you had him there to do. Like, you know, if you're filling that role, he came in and did that role. And it makes me think that maybe it's our thinking about this that is wrong Mm -hmm. because I think on the days that if you've got – a Mitch Marsh or a Dave Warner or a Travis Head or a Glenn Maxwell, any of whom on their day, if they're having a day, is going to get you all the runs that you will need, like in your game, right? Like 
so if one of them has a big innings, chances are you're in a pr- pretty you know good place in the game. Maybe you can afford two guys who are good for when that does not happen, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what wins you an entire tournament. Like you said, maybe it's not enough just to have one guy who can play that innings if shit goes wrong mm-hmm. because on days when shit's going wrong, maybe that guy gets out as well and now yeah. you're fucked, you right? Might, you, might have to, <laughs> you might have to be judicious about sending them both out to bat at the same time on yes. occasions. I did love also, as everyone heard afterwards, Manus uh, Labuschagne is a man of faith and said yes. he thought, you know, the, the one person who he could put the credit to for all of this was the yeah. big guy upstairs. And if I, if it is true yeah. that in a, in, in a world where there's a conflagration in the Middle East, mm-hmm. which essentially involves a group of different people all arguing about the nature of the man upstairs, mm-hmm. uh, if, if the big guy's taken his eye off that, he's looked at that and he's gone, well, mm-hmm. I can dedicate my energies towards trying to sort this yeah. millennia-long malaise, which is essentially about me, out, or I could make Glenn Maxwell fall off a golf cart. I think I'll roll my dice in that. It just it just it proves the old adage about mysterious ways, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, look, he's probably <laughs> Because this does not seem unreasonable to me. Because I had things I should have been doing while the World Cup was on that I ignored yep. because of the World Cup. Yep. So, who am I to look into the face of God and, like, you know, judge yep. him? Well, and, judge and, not. Let yeah. you be judged, yeah. right? And, so, and these other issues are ongoing. He can get to them at one stage. The World well, Cup is on for if, a limited window. I imagine he's probably thought, as I have a couple of times, well, that's been a mess for ages and you haven't sorted it out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just maybe you have a break from that. Maybe God just needed 10 weeks yep. of slightly influencing circumstances yep. Yep. <laughs> for Manus Labashain. I think all the, if you listen to any of the, the, the you know, habits yep. of highly successful people, et cetera, they will often say yeah. with your to-do list, mm-hmm. put something near the top that's a fairly easy win and just start your day yeah. ticking something off. So by quarter past yeah. nine at work, you've already gone bang, dealt with that, yeah. feeling good. Don't dive into the really heavy stuff. That maybe maybe the big man was just putting something on the to-do list, Manus, World Cup, tick, done that, feeling good about myself now in my mm-hmm. omnipotence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've got to get some get, – yeah, get a bit of momentum up. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is it a coincidence the World Cup's finished and the ceasefire seems like it might be coming? There you go. I mean, there you go. mysterious ways. Mysterious ways. Okay, so Manus, mysterious ways. I think, I think it's weird seeing that he and Steve Smith had reasonably similar tournaments. I, I kind of feel like Steve Smith is the one that I'm a bit sus on because I guess our level of expectation mm. ordinarily, whereas I think Manus is a win, right? That's yeah. a big tick. You've just got to like have a look at that entire journey and go, that. well, that's that's worked out much better than any of us could have imagined. And you've got to look at, uh, yeah, aside from maybe India, I can't see any, any other team at that World Cup who'd be agonising over whether they pick Steve Smith or Manus Labuschagne. They, 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 their automatic walk-up starts in any any cricket team in the world. So we are we, okay. we are lucky. So Glenn Maxwell probably or Josh Inglis, but let's say Glenn Maxwell. The big show. Yeah. So Glenn Maxwell was Glenn Maxwell, oh. and I think now that we've, I think now we've learnt to get that right. Yeah. Like I, I think that we spent so much time 
wasted, wasting in our lives and also Glenn Maxwell's lives, mm-hmm. thinking at some stage that Glenn Maxwell was going to stop being Glenn Maxwell. Is, and he, was gonna, is he the Dennis Rodman of this Chicago Bulls franchise? I, of course he is. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Not just the greatest one-day innings of all time on one fucking leg when he was cramping on the ground, like just stunning yeah. display of hitting on a level. Oh. And in a game that actually mattered when there was something on the line when he went in, like yeah. just incredible performance in such a beautiful setting as well. It was one yeah. of the most glorious games of cricket I've ever watched in my entire life. But the fact that it came after he'd had to miss a game because he was drunk and fell off a golf cart is the most – Glenn Max, I mean, even the fact that because I would argue he had and he made the team of the tournament. He mm. was one of the only Australians who did, I believe. Uh, he had an incredible tournament because, mm. like, his bowling yeah. was. I mean, we wouldn't have won this without the no. overs that he got through at the economy rate that he did. So, and then just played a couple of the most magnificent innings you've ever seen in your entire life. And like, for, for but, a guy, he's bowling for a guy who's not a front line <laughs> spinner. Yeah. If they also picked, if they picked a top ten all time of most effective bowling, that you watch yourself thinking, I think I could have a decent crack at that in yeah. the park on the weekend. He's an automatic walk up stuff. They, yeah. they don't, you know, look, they don't look like hand grenades. I feel like he's got a real, like you know, his method is absolutely. You know what? Just don't give him time to think about it. Yep. Just keep doing it. Yep. Like it, it just is like I'm. just get through it. Yep. Yep. Don't Vib, give him Vib. time to plan. Don't give him time. Like I'm not very good, but if you don't give him time to notice, <laughs> they won't notice. Viv Richards used to do that in the Great West Indies one day teams yeah. of the 80s and 90s. Viv Richards could get through an over of six dot balls yeah. in a minute 20 and you just yeah. go, huh, balls. Oh, Viv had a bowl, did he? And he'd, he'd bowl yeah. five of those for 13 runs or whatever. Game changing. I mean – yeah, incredible. So, all right. So, I re- Glenn Maxwell, you got to – that's great. Yeah. Like this was this was what the big show needed yeah. and the big show put on a big show when it was needed. Absolutely. And, uh, so, all good stuff for Glenn Maxwell. Now, this is interesting. Josh Inglis, who was not – again, another ramification of this storyline, this big meta storyline of this summer, which is that, you know, Carey's form has dramatically dropped off you know, might, who knows if it's correlation or causation, but since the controversial stumping incident, you know, during the Ashes, replaced by Inglis in this team, who had just, I mean, I thought kept beautifully, never set the world on fire, or they made a great 2020 uh, 100 uh, yesterday, um, but uh, just did his job, just like a, just really yep. came in and was super, super reliable. Yep, yeah, it just that that's sort of very different to some of our previous World Cup winning keepers like your Gillies and all that who could also go into the top and take the game by the scruff of the neck, but just a really reliable uh, and just kept his head, took a few really sharp catches, um, had a lot of stumping attempts that didn't get the, uh, the, the finger or the third umpire to say out, but just that constant whipping off the bails, up and around energy. I don't. I don't think for, for a guy who was probably never going to be the dominant player to win us a World Cup, he was. He was. You needed Josh Inglis to be seven and a half out of ten, and he was an absolute rock solid seven and a half out of ten. Tick. And always, yeah. Like what you want in a keeper is yeah. just 
a real sense of reliability yes. and he never felt like he was a liability. I thought he had a great tournament and he deserved the success that came his way yep. and I was glad to see him have a bash at him in the 2020 Gee. as well so that he could uh, big tick for Josh. So, all right, uh, Mitchell Stark. Oh. So he's, this is an interesting person oh. to talk about. What do you reckon about how, do you, how did you view Mitchell Stark's tournament? He's a true enigma, Mitch. He, yeah. you know, there's – there's times when he's the only guy in the world you want with the ball in his hand and there's other times when he's steaming in towards the end of innings uh, when they're chasing a total and he's the only guy in the world you don't you almost don't want bowling he'll he'll he, like in the was it against India it was in the in the final we bowled a stack of wides um, and in, in that last 10 overs, and Mitch has got to put his hand up for some of those. But when he's good, he's still just – yeah. he does – He does in, in a game that's tilted towards batsmen, you're always going to be when, – when, when the conditions just don't go your way and you're a quick, it's going to end up looking pretty ugly and you're going to bleed 70 or 80. But when Mitch – he's still got it. He's still got it when he needs it. And his fielding was exceptional. You know what I find the f- – I mean, his fielding was great. He had a couple of handy knocks with the bat as well. But, like, I thought he bowled, yeah, like rubbish. Well, let's talk about at the end he bowled great. Like when he was needed to, like the big-time for- performer performed in the big times, right? Like – but when some, when he's not bowling well, because if you look at his record, he has – a one-day bowling record that is comparable with the greats that have ever played the game. Like he's like incredible record. And it's sometimes he looks like I'm like, does he is he meaning to do this or is he just getting it wrong? Or is this the plan? Yeah. Like I I can't judge this because I don't know what it's meant to be. Yeah. I'm like from observing it, I can't go, is this are you trying to do something and it's not working? Yeah. Or are you nailing it? But I can't understand it. Like, and that's, what are that's, you doing today? That, that's the beautiful thing about any <laughs> any sport, um, where you know one of the, one of the great things about sport is that as much as some players can remind you of other players, etc., there's technique, and if you get down to enough granularity, every technique is unique, and and there are some people with you know Mark War just looked like he was the greatest batsman ever when he was informed just because of the elegance and style that he would play his shots. And his brother Steve sometimes looked like he was hanging on for dear life and, and, and would be lucky to survive another over. And Steve comfortably averages 10 more than Mark across his entire test career. And as great a player as Mark Waugh was, Steve Waugh was clearly by standard deviations a better batsman. And it's the same with you can have really reliable fast bowlers who you suddenly realise, yeah, but they just haven't got a wicket for three games. Or you can get Mitch where when he's when he's in his zone, unplayable. When he's not great, gets caned. But I love Mitch Stark most when he's in that – when he's just teetering on the line between the two and the yeah. next one could just go spearing down yeah. leg side or might yeah. knock all three pegs out. Mm. And, uh, and when he needed to do that, yeah. he did it. He's a, yeah, compa- some, he's a competitive When he's at his guy. best, there's a real sense of like, you're not going to know what I'm trying to do because I'm not sure I know what I'm trying exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> who, who did you say that about in, in Two Guys, One Cup? Joe Danaher at, yeah. at the beginning, of, just as the siren is about to go, Joe Danaher just <laughs> leans over to the opposing fullback and says, whispers in his ear, 
I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas Pat Cummins, I would suggest, is the complete yeah. antithesis. Okay, so Pat that. Cummins, though. Oh. Like, what a tournament for. So for the woke now stuff. For the woke well, stuff. Well, that's the meta. Meta storyline, right? Oh. Too woke to Captain Australia. Oh. There was the – this is the background, the ex-players all gathering around JL. And you know I love Justin Langer, but, like, there's that storyline of everybody saying, and, you know, he's too woke and all the right-wing commentators are writing columns about, like, you know, woke Captain Australia. But this is – what I love about this team is that it is a new – like, it genuinely – this is not a PR campaign. They've decided to try and rework – the way that they play cricket and show you can be successful playing like with at least I'm not a completely different vibe, like, but just, you know, adjusting some of the things that were not working for Australia that took it to, took us to the dark places, you know, and you could see that consistency, as you said, through the tournament, holding the nerve, but that's got to come from McDonald and it's got to come from Pat Cummins and Pat Cummins at the start of this tournament there would have been there was people saying, you know, we might have got ourselves in trouble here because he might not be in our best eleven players and we're gonna to have to keep playing him because he's the captain. And throughout the tournament, maybe there were a couple of uh bowling performances where you could have said that, although each of our bowlers had a couple of games where you could have said that about them. I think what I loved about Pat Cummins was obviously his captaincy in that final, the way he rotated those bowlers in the middle, the obviously the, you know, the counterintuitive, you know, toss of the coin pick, like all this stuff. But for me, the thing that I've loved the most is Pat's remembered that he can bat. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think there was a period of time when he first became Australian skipper and probably maybe even a little before that where he was concentrating on becoming the best fast bowler in the world and I reckon he took his eye off the fact that he's actually a really talented batsman. Yeah. And uh, like throughout a bit of the ashes but particularly in this World Cup, he had a couple of knocks Oh yeah, where he was just like just knew exactly what to do. One when he knew he had to bash it everywhere, one where he knew he, his job was the absolute opposite of that. Like he – Batted really well, mate. That one when he when he was twelve not out off sixty five balls. Glenn Maxwell when he came in for his double hundred, from the moment Glenn Maxwell walked on the park, Glenn Maxwell scored eighty eight percent or something of all the runs scored once Glenn Maxwell walked on the park. Pat Cummins is twelve for six off sixty five. Yep, it was the sort of one day knock that Mark Taylor in his heyday opening the batting would have been proud of putting together. <laughs> Just dropped, was, dropping was, the anchor, but it was so important. It was exactly what was needed so for that important. situation. Yeah. But not just that, how he was interacting with Maxwell, yeah. the way that they kept it light, they were laughing about the challenge, yeah. they got through that. Can you imagine, like, as much as I loved Alan Border or, like, his Steve Waugh, can you imagine them, like, laughing along with, like, <laughs> that, that never would have happened. No. But it was very indicative of, like, well, here's our challenge today. We're going to take it in the right spirit. We're playing a game here at the yeah. end of the day, right? Like, yeah. and I think so. And and then the fact that did you hear about the fact that he threw a faux tantrum when he got back into the rooms? Oh no! Yeah. So when he got back into the rooms, apparently he threw a faux tantrum about how um, you know it had ruined his strike rate in the tournament. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was. Oh, I love Pat Cummins <laughs> so much. Right? Yeah, well, and it was, and the, but the last time you saw that sort of 
mm. jocular, not taking it too seriously as the perfect psychology to overcome something that was almost insurmountable was him and Nathan Lyon putting on 50-odd to win an Ashes test. Right. There was exactly the same sort of, it's fun, fun to have a crack at this, isn't it? And that was mm-hmm. that was getting towards undoable. Two wickets to go, we still needed 50-odd. And he just calmly steered the ship and never looked like missing it. And he was just saying, with he's saying, Maxwell clearly couldn't run. So if I was stuck on strike at the beginning of an over, um, I was just doing the sums in my head and going, well, we're still scoring 16, That's 18 fine. and over every yeah. second over. That's nine I runs and over. An over. Well, he, we're there. he bashes it for 19. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh, loved it. <laughs> it. Yeah, so I think an incredible tournament for him, just so well handled, like all of it. You and just he's, gotta... he's stamped himself now as yeah. a, just an undisputed leader of men. Yes. Well, it's his team. Yeah. He proved. He, like, And you know what I love about it is it feels like he knows what he's done in that – he knows that it is important, but he also knows that essentially he's a guy who plays games for a living and they have had been set this incredible series of games that they wanted to win and they had plans to win and they went out and they played the games and then they tried to win the games and then they won most of the games. Yeah. And now he's like, oh, well, that was good. Hey, that was pretty great. Going <laughs> yeah. to home a family, relax for a while yeah. and play a few more games. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Pat Cummins, so where are we? Uh, probably Josh Hazelwood, Adam Zampa. Adam Zampa yeah, probably best Hazelwood. Good tournament for a guy who never looks like he actually is good at bowling. He yeah. is an incredibly good bowler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and just his little – from from what I heard about the anthem thing, the because he there was some controversy that he wasn't singing the anthem, and that was around the same time as the referendum failed, and some people were ripping into him, going, "How dare he bring his personal politics into saying he doesn't support Australia as a nation after the decision?" Yes. Blah blah. And my my understanding was there was one bit of one anthem where he wasn't singing when the camera went past because um, he was thinking of something else, and so once it became a thing, he just went fuck it, I'm not going to sing the anthem just to get up the nose of people who think that's the reason I'm not singing the anthem. Oh, Zamps. I mean, he is an interesting cat and I like the fact that there is room in this team for like a Dave Warner and an Adam Zampa and they don't all have to be doing the same thing together. Zamps can go and visit some, you know, monasteries and wander around the hills and, you know. And doesn't he – where does he – is he – does he live on a farm and make his own food or something? Isn't he? he yeah, he's like Byron Bay or something, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like- <laughs> and makes his own artisanal bread or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, or whatever. <laughs> whatever he's doing, it's fine. He's doing a good job. Leading wicket taker in the tournament, equaling Mataya Murulithan. Oh, mate, I murdered that. Yeah. Uh, Murali. Let's yeah, go the, with The great Murali. Sri Lankan. Uh, so, like you've got to say, incredible tournament for a guy who never – 100% convinces me that he's good at bowling. And, and if you look back at not just the sheer number of wickets, some really key wickets at really yes. key times. And in that Sri Lanka game, he brought us back into that and a couple yeah. of games where they they really, really counted. I think this is, again, what, what when the squad bit of it kicks in, everyone had – like a few moments. There's not one person in this team. And, like, you know, Zamba had obviously plenty of them, but – 
I like the fact that over the 10 games and then the two finals, you really do get to see, like, it's almost impossible for somebody to do well by the nature of cricket in all that amount of games in a row. So you do just get to see what does the rest of it look like. And there were times in this tournament where Hazelwood, I was like, oh. Mm. Like, even at the start of that final, uh, when Rowett had just decided, all right, well, you know what the good thing about Josh Hazelwood is? He pretty much bowls it in the same place all the time. I reckon if I just run down the pitch and smack it over the fence, that's going to be my plan today. And it was a pretty good plan for a while. It was going to It made me think that we were going to lose the World Cup (laughs) because because Hazelwood had in the semi and then bowled well, I think, in the rest of the final. But he'd been really warming up towards the end of the – like started a bit ropey, but really felt like I was like, oh, he really started to bowl very well by the end of the tournament. Yeah, and there were, and I don't think it is a coincidence with this team as a whole and certain players in this team who at the age they're at and the point they're at in their careers didn't arrive absolutely blasting it, but just the more they got into a groove, started to find what it was they were good at and just had the cricketing brain to know what to do and where. And that that thing I talked about, John Earls, just to continue to back themselves. Josh Hazelwood's been hit back over his head a few times in his career now, and he he, he knows there's no point trying to radically change it up and bowl left-arm Chinaman or anything like that. Uh, you may as well just keep doing what you're doing, and with any luck, that'll work itself out, and it did. That was the most incredible thing about that game, honestly, was when Cummins got Coley and Coley just stood there and did not move. And I was like, I reckon you're going to have to leave, mate, yeah. because you've hit the ball into your stumps. Yeah, and I, I reckon that is. Yeah. I mean, you, you, can, no, you can review. I think technically yeah, you, I mean, you can review I guess it if you, you want. could, but <laughs> it's hit the stumps and you've seen that in real life. It happened right in front of you. You you did it, yeah. actually, to be honest. <laughs> you were the last person to touch it yeah. before it hit your stumps. Yeah. So it's part of this, at the very least, is on you. Yeah. And – like he stood there, like because he couldn't believe it. Because yeah. he's like, I'm only fifty. This yeah. is half of what I average yeah. in this tournament. Yeah. This can't be right. And so fifty is the amount of hundreds I have. This can't yeah. be right. I've just got to stay here. But there this was is- there was a powerful symbolism in that, yeah. wasn't there? That was that was when you felt the the, yeah. the breath gets sucked out of that Indian team and things started to look a little bit wobbly. And um, yeah, and then that rotation of the bowlers was yeah. genius. Yeah. The fact that he just did not let them get a. I think that's that, you know, that Glenn Maxwell thing, right? Cummins just kept ringing the changes in a way that just never let the the batsmen, like, you know, they never let them get on top of one particular bowler or one particular moment and then Hazelwood bowled well at the end. And, of course, um, uh, is that it? Who have we missed? Have I missed somebody? I bet it will. We've gone, we've gone through. That's it. We've yes. gone through 11. And then Stoin- yeah. Stoinis played and yeah. – Cameron Green played, but, well, but and, and neither I, of them I, I, were you in give the best team. Like a big tick to Cam Green, who came in for one game, played a really important innings, and then just said afterwards, "Oh, yeah, clearly the first guy dropped from this team." And again, that's that that depth. Cam Green would get a run. He was the three point eight million dollar IPL player. Cam Cam Green would get a run in most teams in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, even Sean Abbott, who played a game, yep. like bowled very well in the game that he played. And so, took a great catch. And, of course, uh, Kerry played a, a game as well, so yep. he was part of that squad as well. So, tick, tick, yeah, tick, was, tick, tick. I mean, 
I, anyway, Adam Spencer, you know that I could talk about this forever, but I told you an hour and it's been an hour. So I feel like it might be time for us to to wrap this up. Any final thoughts about, you know, any of the fallout that you've seen post we, the Indians? We, the Indians seem to be taking it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think they accept the better team <laughs> on on the game day yeah, and it was cricket was the winner fine. and it was good that yeah. – uh, Oh, boy. And, uh, and, and we should also just pause to reflect one more time on – Joe Root getting bowled between his legs, attempting that rap uh, shot. That was the best. Oh, the I best. mean, one of the great highlights the of the entire tournament. Um, it was it was a great tournament. It was a great victory by the Australians. Thank you for coming in for this emergency episode. What can we plug of yours, Adam Spencer? You must have something that we can direct people in the direction of. Uh, no, nah, I'm just doing. I'm just book? hanging you out. Got a book for Christmas? Uh, you haven't written a book for Christmas? No, I haven't written year. a book for a few years. But if you go to adamspencer.com.au if you want to buy a few of them, don't let me stop you. Um, I, I, I mean, has the maths in your old books changed, or is it one of those things that is perennial? Like, is the maths out of date? Would there be stuff in there that if I go back and check out one of your books from like a few years ago, I'll learn some erroneous thing about the number fourteen or something? Nothing's in there that's wrong as such. But when one in my first book, The Big Book of Numbers, when I explain the largest prime number mm-hmm. we've yet discovered, I specifically say, and the fun thing will be 10 years from now when you're reading this book, you'll giggle yeah. to think that was once the largest prime because we'll have found larger ones. And okay. we have. So there you well, go. Well, that's fun. Isn't that's it? That's pretty fun. Isn't it? That's much like the scores in ICC World Cup cricket. Yes. You never would have imagined no. that Afghanistan would be able to get 400. Exactly. But it turns out this is now the world we live exactly. in. Exactly. So, Crazy uh, times. Just, thank I thought you, just tell Adam. you quickly, but my, my favourite bit with it all also yes. of watching the final. So uh, my um, beautiful wife, uh, Leah, has a – a part of her makeup is that it, she sometimes struggles to to sleep smoothly or she'll get in a zone where if she wakes up in the middle of the night she may well be awake for several hours after uh-huh. and I'm, I can I, I get a pretty good handle on when that's the case and so I will occasionally just say I'll oh, just go and sleep on the lounge or I'll go and sleep in one of the kids <laughs> beds if they're <laughs> off with their dad or whatever and uh, and uh, uh, there was a night where, I did the right thing. She was struggling mm-hmm. a bit with her sleep. And darling, I'll go and sleep on the couch. You sure? Sweet up, please. I, it's just important you get a good night's sleep here. Yeah, and so I get man. all the brownie points for yeah. taking, putting my hand up and <laughs> sleeping on the couch and got to watch the World Cup final uninterrupted without any suggestion that I was putting cricket in front of anything else in our relationship. No, I think, I mean, you, you, you sound like a hero. I was. Well, like, you know I'm a man of faith, I- Will. You know I'm a man of faith. And well, you know what the thing is? I am also now a man of faith because the evidence is on the board. <laughs> There's no way that Marnus should have played in any of those games and he played in all of them so, and so, helped so us now, win the World Cup. You've got so. the loaves and fishes, the yeah. walking on water, yeah. and Marnus Labashane's 18 yeah, consecutive one-day internationals. The, the, the miracle of Marnus, they will call it in future <laughs> editions. <laughs> They'll have to put out a newer testament. You've got, La- you've got just, Lazarus and Labashane yeah. now. <laughs> so um yeah no i it's funny i was watching it in bed on my computer on sunday on sunday night and i was just i was like oh you know what i could i could watch the rest in the morning and then i was like you're in bed <laughs> like the computer like do you mean like what do you <laughs> like what yeah. what decision is to be made yeah. like how, how little you, effort does it take to continue to watch this <laughs> i mean you can just 
<laughs> go to go to sleep if it's, you want. It, it's more effort to stop watching this than it is to continue to watch it. <laughs> I can just the ridiculous. lazy option here thinking? is to watch the game. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you, Adam Spencer. Absolute pleasure, mate. And thank you to the Australian cricket team for once again just giving us a moment of exquisite happiness. Listener.